before Big Ben's throw, before Santonio Holmes' catch, before Pittsburgh became Sixburg. There were doubts. There was a daunting schedule. There was a dominant defense. This is the season. 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome Steelers Nation. I am Bryant McFadden, your host and cornerback on the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. On this podcast, I'll revisit our Super Bowl run from a decade ago with former teammates and coaches, delivering you behind-the-scenes insights and memories on the biggest plays, personalities from that memorable season. Let's get to this week's game and guess. We've taken you through the regular season. Now it's time to break down our run through the playoffs. Just three games separate us from hoisting the sticky Lombardi. On this episode, we take a look back at the divisional round versus the San Diego Chargers. And to help me out, I had to bring in a very, very important piece to our defense. Ladies and gents, welcome James Ferrier, 15-year NFL vet, 10 seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Number eight overall pick out of Virginia in 1997, two-time Pro Bowler, 2004 first-team All-Pro linebacker, also a two-time Super Bowl champ. In 2008, he had three-and-a-half sacks, 133 tackles. In his career, he had 11 interceptions, 35-and-a-half sacks, and over 1,400 tackles. Man, that's a lot of tackles. Wow, James, I didn't know you had over 1,400 tackles. That's very, very impressive. But like I said, Steeler Nation, please welcome James Ferrier, pot dog as we call him, Potsy. Thank you for joining me here on the season to recap our divisional victory against the San Diego Chargers. Thank you for such a spectacular introduction, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) Hey, I'm just going off of what you put what you put on film and eventually what uh, the creators put on paper. That's a very, very impressive resume. Did you realize you had over 1,400 tackles? Uh, I've been told that. <laughs> I've been told that before, but, you know, I never really caught, kept up with my stats. Uh, I relied on everybody else to give me all that information. And with those 1,400 tackles, you know, the last question before we get into the ball game. Do you feel like you made over 1,400 tackles right now? Not right now. Now, when I played, I felt like I I was uh, made 20,000 tackles. It feels like, <laughs> you know, your body your body takes a beating then, you know, throughout the years. But once I, you know, retired and had time for my body to rest up and heal up, I feel great now. Oh, that's a wonderful thing to hear. You know, not too many defenders, especially linebackers that play the game like you play the game, are fortunate enough to feel the way you currently feel. And so that's a that's a big time blessing. Now, listeners, fans, it's time to set the scene. AFC Divisional Round, of course, in Pittsburgh, Sunday, January the 11th, 2009. It was a 445 kickoff, just 26 degrees at game time with a little bit of snow. Gamblers, we were favored by six and a half points. We entered with two weeks of rest, you know, had the number two seed in the AFC. Ben had suffered a concussion in week 17. Willie Parker was also a little beat up. How important was it for us to have that extra week off? Well, you learn when once you get into the NFL, you learn right away uh, how the playoffs are structured and who has the advantage. And 
you definitely want to be the team that has that bye week. So that gives a, a you know a team a great advantage, you know, having a bye week. So you know, definitely having that time off gave us the time to rest and heal up and get ready for that divisional. Yeah, and also too, we had the luxury for the guys that were, was a part of the first Super Bowl, Super Bowl Forty. You remember that playoff run? We didn't have the luxury of having a bye week, so we understood how it felt to go through the playoffs without a bye week. And then, of course, that season in 2008, we had the bye week, so we knew how to kind of, you know, prepare ourselves with the week off. In the AFC uh, uh, playoffs, we had the luxury of having a bye week. So the first round, we practiced, uh, but knowing that we would be off, but also not knowing who we would see in the divisional round as an individual and as 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 the team how did you prepare and how did we prepare not knowing exactly who we would see based on the outcome the potential outcome of the first round games well first of all our mindset was you know we need to work on ourselves only us can beat us so you know going going in with that mindset you really don't care who you play you really don't care who wins but then you also have to just you look at not knowing you have to look at everybody and you have to study tape on everybody. And I'm sure coaches had us, you know, studying tape on everybody that was playing that weekend, any potential matchup that we could face, uh, they were going to, you know, have us review all of that stuff. Now on our first game breakdown on the season, we discussed our week 11 matchup against the Chargers with Heinz Ward. We won that ball game 11 to 10. So we knew that they were a quality opponent. Hall of Famer LaDainian Thomason was injured, which shifted our game plan. But San Diego still had Rivers, Darren Sproles, Antonio Gates, and Vincent Jackson. So, Potsy, what was their approach and planning for that offense without Thomason? I don't think their game plan uh, really changed too much. Darren Sproles, if you look at his resume, you know, he was a great running back when he had to be. You know, he was a guy that didn't take a lot of hits because he was so shifty, so... You know, being a small back, you know, you don't want to take, uh, you know, you don't want to take that punishment and those big time hits. And he, he was a guy that could, you know, maneuver his body around and not, uh, take on those hits. So we definitely felt like that they would try to use him in, you know, pretty much the same way they would use Ladanian. You know, nobody can replace Ladanian, but, you know, he was a close second. Yeah, yeah, and also too, Darren Sproles was deadly, you know, like you said, especially out of the backfield, and they still had, you know, Antonio Gates, big time receiver, oh, and Vincent yeah. Jackson. So that was a deadly, deadly offense. And early in the season, we found out how good they were as a team because, like I said, it was a one point ball game, a ba- basically a baseball uh, uh, score from from early in the year. We were the last game of that weekend, and before us, all home teams had lost. Do you remember discussing or thinking at all, if we win, we we would stay at home for the AFC Championship game versus the Ravens? Oh, that's all I could think about, you know, having the uh, championship game at home with, you know, that was something that we really wanted bad and we knew it was going to be Baltimore. So, you know, definitely playing that team for the third time was something you had to put way, way in the back of your mind because you had to be out <laughs> that day. But you definitely had it. Uh, you definitely had it in your mind after you know you took care of business. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. And also, too, knowing that we if we took care of our biz- business, we would be playing a, a team that we, we know extremely well and vice versa for the Ravens. But we had the the upper hand on the Ravens already beating them twice in the regular season. Now it's time to tap into the game. Less than two minutes in the game, Phillip Rivers, 41 yard touchdown throw to Vincent Jackson. Wake up call to get scored on that early at home. Was that a wake up call for us defensively? No doubt about it. Our defense have been playing so well throughout the season and giving up a big play like that was definitely something we weren't accustomed to. So, you know, that was, you know, our okay, our okay moment. Let's get our stuff together. And it was probably use a couple of other words other than stuff. But <laughs> yeah. We better get it together or we're going to be uh, looking sad uh, going home <laughs> watching the rest of the playoffs. Exactly, exactly. But, of course, when you talk about real good teams, you know, the defense allowed one, uh, allowed Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers to get the upper hand on us early. Like I said, less than two minutes, they score. They score extremely fast. But five minutes, five minutes later, we get a stop. Defensively gets us, uh, the defense gets a stop in San Antonio Holmes takes the punt 67 yards for the score to even things up at seven all Santonio San was good during the regular season, but was incredible in the playoffs. What made him so clutch? Oh man. I think him and Ben had a great chemistry and, uh, I, San Antonio knew somehow how to get open. You know, I don't know if he was running the route that he was supposed to run, but he found a way to get open and Ben always, you know, had an eye for him. So, you know, throughout the playoffs and throughout the season, they had a great connection. But like you said, definitely throughout the playoffs, especially that game, it was uh, something pretty ni- nice to watch. And outside of that punt return by Santonio San Holmes, uh, the offense stalled for most of the first half. The running game couldn't get fully going, and Big Ben wasn't having success in the passing game. We even ran a fake punt with Ryan Clark that got stopped in our own territory. Was there any concern about Ben's post concussion? Uh, there's always concern, you know, with with the concussion. You know, it it really takes a couple weeks to heal from that, and you know, you never know how you're gonna feel on game day. So, you know, we definitely thought it was some post concussion issues that could be playing, you know, affecting his gameplay. And you know, we definitely wanted to try to, you know, help him out on defense and try to get him as get them the ball as many times as they could and try to give them the best field position as we, we could. So, you know, everybody was trying to make Ben's job as easy as possible. Yeah. And I felt like also too, from the defensive side, not exact, not knowing exactly how big Ben will perform. We felt like we needed to really have an, a, a nice performance to be able to weather the storm just in case the offense has some struggles uh, at the two minute mark. Uh, of the half, the Chargers tapped, uh, added on a 42 yard field goal to go up 10-7. Uh, then that's when Ben, Ben finally got to work. He found San Antonio, Mr. Mr. Clutch, and then the creeper, Manuel D. Moore, and then of course Gary Russell converted a third and one. On first down, Ben had a wide open San Antonio home, but missed that throw badly. However, on second and second and three from the San Diego 44 he delivered a perfect pass to Himes Ward down to the three yard line Willie Parker then punched him in for a 14 to 10 halftime lead how big was that score overall for the team's confidence and Ben's confidence right before half that let us know that Ben was back and he could move the ball 
And, you know, if we played, did our job on defense, which we had confidence that we could do, we knew that uh, we could control the game. We could control yeah. it, you know, after halftime. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. And going into half, like I said, 14 to 10, uh, early in the second half, you know, we embark on a 13 play, 77 yard drive that, that, that basically ate up nearly eight minutes off the clock, capped by a Heath, Heath Miller eight yard touchdown. We go up 21 10. Now we have gotten the opportunities to praise the offensive line a ton on this podcast. They weren't always the strength of our offense, but they were excellent on this drive. They also had a very, very impressive playoff performance. How did they improve throughout the season and protect Big Ben in the postseason? Well, you know, the offensive line, it takes a lot of chemistry and, uh, you know, a lot of practice and a lot of time together. So, you know, when the season starts, you know, those guys still haven't quite, you know, found themselves and found their rhythm. So it takes a little while to get that going and, you know, they definitely hit their stride throughout the season and they were full throttle, you know, when we needed them to be. Yeah. And also, too, you know, with the injuries they sustained throughout the season by playoff time, like you said, they were in rhythm. They had chemistry and that definitely was on display. They put that on display throughout our playoff run. The ensuing kickoff, Darren Sproles takes it 63 yards inside our 30. However, the Chargers' next play from scrimmage is tipped at the line and picked off by Larry Foote. What do you remember about that sequence? Oh, man, I remember being back on our heels, man. We were thinking, like, man, we got to go out here and defend this field and, you know, try to contain it to a field goal. And, you know, when Larry got that interception, it was like, man, this this really might be our day today. Uh, things were going well. So, you know, getting that was a big momentum shift. And uh, it definitely changed the outcome. Yeah, I, I think that was the biggest play of the game because at that time we were up 21-10. And like you said, worst case scenario, if they kick a field goal, now it's 21-13. The momentum is starting to shift. And, of course, if they score a touchdown, I mean, it's 21-17. So it would that oh, yeah. play was huge from the standpoint of taking points away and then given our offense an opportunity to get another possession. Uh, no scoring for the rest of the quarter, though. But in the third frame, our offense had the ball. Like I said, we that turnover gave our offense another opportunity to get possession. Our offense had the ball for 24 plays, 14 minutes and 43 seconds. Listeners, get the, did you hear that? Our offense had the ball for 24 plays, 24 plays that – uh, took 14 minutes off the clock, 14 minutes and 43 seconds. The Chargers had the ball for just one play, and that play was 17 seconds. How much of a luxury was that for our wow. defense to sit and watch, <laughs> sit and watch, not just for a change, but watch a 14-play drive on display? We sat a whole quarter. It was like <laughs> It was like having a day off. I mean, when you sit the whole quarter, you know, that's probably at least 30, 30, 40, 40 minutes just sitting and watching. 
And, you know, that's probably a feeling that as a defender, you, you probably only get once in a lifetime. And, boy, we had it. Now we transition to the fourth quarter. The first play of the fourth quarter, we were stopped on the f- on, on on fourth and goal from the one. Kerry Davis couldn't get it in, but we had them pinned. That happened a couple couple of times throughout the regular season, throughout the season, where we were stuffed deep in opponent's territory. But did did that just display Mike Tomlin's confidence that the defense will always make stops if the offense failed? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's definitely a defensive mindset call when you go for it on fourth down. You definitely have confidence in your defense. And we have been displaying, you know, how we could do with adversity and how we would adjust to – you know, being that deep in the goal line, and our thoughts are definitely always trying to get a safety. So, you know, when we got some, we get them back down there. You know, hopefully you can you can make something happen, get a safety, and get the ball right back. Yeah, and we delivered. We delivered uh, just like Mike T. You know, thought we would if the offense was not able to convert that fourth down opportunity. We get the stop. Uh, offense gets the ball back. Nate Washington draws a pass interference in the end zone. Gary Russell gets in for a commanding 28 to 10 advantage with under 13 minutes remaining. But the Chargers, uh, they were able to mount a drive of their own on their next uh, offensive possession, ending in a touchdown connection between Phillip Rivers and Legadoo Nene. It's 28 uh, 17. Willie Parker essentially ends it, though. He, score, he scores from 16 out to go up 35 to 17 with little over four minutes to go and finishes with 146 yards and two touchdowns. How, how dynamic was he when he was healthy, Willie Parker? Man, you, you can't coach speed. And that's one thing that, you know, he definitely had over any other player on the field was his speed. And he used it to his advantage. And when he was healthy, nobody could catch him. And he was pretty tough. Uh, he was a pretty strong runner, too. Nobody gives him credit for that, but he was a pretty uh, tough guy. He was strong, and he was a weight room guy. He thought he could lift a lot of weights, but, you know, he was definitely <laughs> he was definitely stronger than he looked. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's still some time left to go on the clock, but clearly we had a huge lead. Uh, the Chargers, Darren Sproles, he adds a long score, but that was too late. Uh, always good when we saw Byron Leftwich come into the ball game to take a, a, a kneel. Uh, final score, the Steelers 35 to 24. We were headed to the AFC Championship game. Emotions after the game, uh, what were, what were your emotions knowing that we were one game away from playing for another championship? Well, just to go back to that, uh, last little bit you were talking about when you said, uh, Darren Sproles added a touchdown. Yeah, he was double teamed on that play by me and Harrison. So he got us both. He, uh, that's when he split you guys, right? Yeah, I was on the outside. James was supposed to be on the inside, so he just ran right in between us and just hauled butt straight down the field and uh, ran past both of us. It was so funny. So we were uh, definitely happy about the win, but, you know, we had to hear all of that uh, stuff about how we couldn't get them covered. You know, two people couldn't get them covered after the game. So, you know, that spoiled a little bit of our celebration. (laughs) Yeah, that was part of the uh, our our venting. Uh, 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 meetings that we had every week. We would always meet at Potsy House listeners, and this was 
something that we did every week, just a way to get the guys together, uh, you know, just talk about the game, the uh, uh, the previous game, event, you know, throw our individual uh, criticism. And that was something we talked about during uh, our visit to Pot Dog House the following week. And that was something that we always did. We didn't take it to the media. We kept it in-house and we moved on and we always had fun. So you, you better believe you and, and Debo heard a lot. Uh, of criticism on that final play because that made the score look closer than what it was. It definitely did. And we definitely, uh, I blame him and he blamed me and we'll just <laughs> let the tape decide, you know, whose fault it really was. <laughs> but, uh, it was definitely something that, uh, it was definitely the game itself was, it definitely made it look closer than really what it really was. We, I definitely think we had a great dominating performance. Now, James, of course, you know, our defensive goals when it came to allow points allowed, it was around 17 points. And we missed that mark uh, in the divisional round against the Chargers. They ended up scoring 24 points, but our offense put up, our offense put up 35 points. How nice was it to see our offense generate so many points, especially in a game where we did not reach the standard as far as points allowed defensively. Yeah, you know, having our offense put up points was always a cherry on top of our defense. And we always felt like, like you said, our standard was 17 points. And if they could get us more than 20 points, then, you know, anything after that was just gravy. But, you know, having a day where a team, you know, scores, ended up scoring 24 points, it was good to just have that cushion you know, 35 points put up, and uh, it was definitely something that, you know, didn't happen, you know, as much as we would have liked it to happen, but it was good that it happened that day. And also coming down from that victory, what was on your mind knowing we'd face the Ravens next week? Man, all I wanted to hear, hear people was, was stop telling me that it was so hard to beat a team three times and we can't do this and we couldn't do that, so... You know, I was very much looking forward to that one. No doubt. No doubt. With listeners, Steeler Nation, there you have it. Uh, recapping the divisional round against the San Diego Chargers. The Steelers win 35 to 24. Uh, I'd like to thank once again James Ferrier for joining me here on to recap the divisional game. An outstanding, uh, uh, player for the Pittsburgh Steelers throughout his Steeler career. Outstanding NFL player throughout his NFL career. 15 year vet, uh, joining me here to recap the divisional round. Next week on the season, 2008 Steelers, we cover the AFC Championship game. I'll be joined by Ryan Clark to break down our third matchup that season with the Ravens. And this one for the chance to go to Super Bowl 43. That's what's up next. For now, I want to say thank you once again to James Ferrier for recapping the AFC Divisional Round win over the Chargers. Anytime, B-Max. Thanks for having me. Subscribe. To the season, 2008 Steelers on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are found. So you're up to date on our episodes that are released each Monday up until the Super Bowl. Until then, in the words of legend Dick LeBeau, adios. <laughs>